When is the last time you listened to a podcast about web development, web design, and small business and didn't fall asleep? Yes, we cover web development, web design, and small business, but like actual human beings with personalities. If you're a beginner, we're not going to talk over your head. It's more like asking your buddy for help. We have guests, we have fun, and let me tell you, these two can get off on a tangent. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to HTML All The Things Podcast. This is Matt Lawrence and Mike Curran. That's what everybody, we are back. This is episode 223, CSS Variables. This is a working title, I think. Uh, we're probably going to SEO that title a bit. Maybe it won't be. Maybe this is the actual title. But uh, this week, or I think it was this week, as of recording this, this is going to be obviously published in about a week or so. But uh, I published a, a pretty big guide. I think it's over 1,800 words. And I talked all about CSS variables, what they are, how to use them, and three uh, pretty in-depth examples. It's all basically, or it is the basics of CSS variables. So if you have no idea how CSS variables work. This is the vanilla CSS variables that you can use just in your CSS. This isn't with SAS or another CSS plugin or tool or anything. This is just the vanilla CSS variables. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. So if this sounds interesting to you and you want to support the show, you can go check us out on that Patreon. Leave a review or rating on your podcast app. Join us in our Discord server or share this with your friends. And I, I actually, I want to put the call out really quickly here. Somebody or someone or an entity, um, shared our show, and we can't figure out who. We have analytics, and all the analytics just say the source is other. Um, and our numbers exploded by a factor of, like, 6x a good episode's performance in one day. <laughs> in one day. Uh, that was the episode, What Not to Do in Web Development. So if you're listening to this, because we put out the call on Twitter, uh, and I've been researching... If you if you're the one that shared it, presumably it is someone who shared it. Thank you. And please, I'd love to know what you did. <laughs> and please reach out to either Mike on Twitter or you can reach us on Instagram. I run the Instagram so you can DM us on there. And I'd like to know what you did and who did it, because uh, I really appreciate that. Mike appreciates it as well. And uh, I mean, let's get right to the episode, I'd say so. Wait, wait, wait. To reach out to us at HTML everything on Twitter and at HTML the things on Instagram, just so that they know where to go and they don't have to like scroll through the episode or go to our show notes. Yes. Yeah. Good call on that. Yeah. So, yeah. Reach out to us. Uh, Like I said, I run the Instagram. Mike runs the Twitter. So we'll see. See what's what. See what's going on. Hopefully someone answers is, is, is the main thing, because we were like, is this a bot? But then we saw like trickle down into other episodes, meaning other episodes are inflated from normal. And you're like, oh, so wait, so someone is watching this, but it's all under other. I'm convinced Maybe we should do a bet, Mike. We won't. But like we should have. But what I, I what I was estimating was that it's from a podcast app that is probably small in the grand scheme, but probably very popular. And somebody shared that. Maybe it's like a local app that's really popular in a certain country or some sort of other localization. And that our statistics just say other because that podcast app isn't isn't on their radar yet because it's maybe small and kind of niche or something that's my that's my guess i hope i'm right (laughs) obviously but every every guess that i've made in my own head and to you i've rebuted myself because like i rebutted myself because it doesn't make sense so all of this like i've been going a little bit crazy with this so please reach out and let us know how you (laughs) found the podcast Regardless, you know what? Just reach out and let us know how you found the podcast, even if it wasn't through a random thing in the, the episode. I really want to know how you find us because we have a good audience. We love everyone out there and we do talk to a lot of you. But on a grand scheme of things, I have no idea how you find a random web development podcast. Just start listening to it. So reach out again. HTML, everything on Twitter, HTML, the things on Instagram. I am more than willing to talk. If you have any questions about anything, let me know. I can talk, but let us know how you heard about us and how you actually started listening. That sounds, uh, yeah, I agree. I, uh, I want to know, I want to know what's what, but let's jump to this episode, which is all about CSS variables. We're going to start out with the first part here. What are CSS variables? So if you're not familiar with programming, let's say you're right in 
your HTML phase, you're learning HTML, then CSS, then JS, for example, you might not be you might not be sure what a CSS variable is. Well, a CSS variable is actually the common name for a CSS custom property. We don't really need to worry about that. That's just sort of some lore, if you will, some CSS lore. But like other programming languages, CSS variables allow you to set and store values for later use. You could store like a pixel count, like 25 pixels, or you could store like a hex value uh, for a color, something like that. And there's a bunch of other things you could store in there, but those are a couple basic examples. So with CSS specifically, the values you store should be equal to the values that you would set your properties to. So for example, if you wanted to use a variable to set your font size and your existing font size is set to 25 pixels, your variable should be set to the value of 25 pixels. And then you would use that variable later on on your font size property instead of typing in 25 pixels. Sound confusing? No worries. We had tons of examples and stuff. Don't worry. So a simple example right now to try to clear the air is that CSS variables may seem like they're more, they may seem like they're more bother than they're worth, right? So in this, let's just make up an example right now, a really simple one. Um, you want to set your uh, font size to red. So you're using the hex value, which is your um, hashtag symbol, your number, pound sign, whatever. You're doing two Fs followed by all zeros, zeroing it out to six digits total. And what you want is you, you, you know, that's, that's red, right? FF zero, 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 zero. That's it. You want to store that under a variable name that you're calling uh font color or a heading color, whatever you want to do. And then you're taking that variable name and you're putting it as what the color property is. So you're writing your normally you'd write color, you know, color colon, then you'd write the hex value. Instead of doing that, you're actually just putting in the var in there. And again, I'll explain all this in a little bit. But this seems like it's more work, right? It's like, hey, like, why wouldn't I just put the hex value in the color? Why wouldn't I just like, why wouldn't I just put the hex value in the color property and forget all about it? Well, it it's because these are really simple examples and they seem like they're overcomplicating something simple because they are it. You shouldn't be replacing. This is kind of why I brought this up. You shouldn't be replacing all of your property values with variables. That's not the point here. What you're supposed to be doing is using this to assist you and more specifically into more complex designs that have more complex layouts. So you'll, again, don't replace all your variable, all your property values with variables, use it to your advantage, and we'll get into that advantage right now. So what are CSS variables used for? Well, they allow you to use a value throughout your style sheet without having to type it in over and over again. So depending on how they're declared, they can be used across multiple style sheets, meaning they can actually be used across separate CSS files that are being applied to a page. For example, if you have a variables.css file and a styles.css file, and both of those are being pulled into an index.html file, the variables, if declared properly, and we'll get into that in a minute, can be used inside of the styles.css file, despite them being declared in the variables CSS file. So if you, for whatever reason, although this is very not common, but if you wanted to store everything in a variables.css file, you want to have all your variables in there so they're easily accessible. And then under styles, you want to have under under a styles.css, you want to then pull in all those values, even though they're separate files, you can do that if they're declared what they call globally. And we will get into that in a second. Now, another thing that CSS variables are commonly used for are for websites that have a common theme. So something like a color scheme or a particular font size that needs to be applied all throughout your style sheet. So let's just say, for example, your main color is red. Your primary color is red. That's your color of your brand. And you're obviously going to be using that everywhere. Well, maybe in a few years, you do a brand update and the color changes to blue. Now you'd be stuck normally going through multiple style sheets or at least one style sheet and finding the multiple instances of where you wrote red, whether it be the hex value or literally the word red. And you have to go in and literally change those individually all over the place. Now with a CSS variable, you could just have a variable called say primary color and that houses the hex value for red. And then maybe you call that, you know, maybe you call that um, primary color 
And then you have another one because I'm trying to think of like a theme. So let's say uh, you have another one for font size that's heading size, let's say, for example. And so this is your website's theme. You know, your red is your primary color and your heading size are all 25, 25 pixels. Well, when the design of your site updates, the heading size, the font size is probably going to change. And so is the primary color in this branding example. Well, do you, you don't want to go through and manually, you know, control F, find all the hex values for red, find all the word red as well, just in case someone else did that. Find all the instances of 25 pixels, but then you find out, oh, well, there's actually more than just the font sizes are being set to 25 pixels. And, uh, you know, some other stuff is maybe width 25 pixels. So now you're going through and like you have to sift through and filter through manually all through. You know, you don't have to do that. You go in and you set your headings size variable to whatever you want. Now, it was 25. Maybe it's 29 in this update or in your for your in terms of your primary color, you can change it to blue and it will change throughout your style sheet. Now, there's some of you out there that are probably familiar with CSS variables and you're probably saying like, hey, that's not always the case. It doesn't apply you know, all over the place. And that's true. We're going to get into how global and local and scopes and those type of things work in a minute here. So just to kind of summarize it now, there are some instances in which you can declare a variable of the same name in different scopes and specificities. And this is to get some more kind of advanced styling techniques down. And this is to vary your styles throughout your throughout your uh, style sheet, throughout your design. Again, this is a more of an advanced thing. If you don't understand what I just said, don't worry. We're going to get into the nitty gritty of it in a few minutes here and explain all of that. But just to let you know, yes, I understand that sometimes a, head, uh, a variable can be declared in multiple places or maybe it doesn't apply to the whole page. This just we'll get to that in a moment. Yeah, absolutely. I, th I think CSS variables are actually a lot more powerful than people even assume uh, sometimes because when I'm using Svelte or React, I actually use CSS variables pretty often due to the fact that they're actually accessible in the DOM, which means that I can ex I can access them in JavaScript. So when I need to set something dynamically, a lot of the time in terms of a style that needs to be set dynamically like across the board, because like Matt said, you can make CSS variables global scoped. I will access them through the DOM settings, like there's different ways to access them in Svelte, there's different ways to access them in React, but you can access them just to know that and change them however you want. And they'll be changed across your entire site. So if you change them in one component, you can change those CSS variables across the entire site. It is amazing for theming, right? So if you have a, like a theme dropdown menu and you change something in the theme and then that func that triggers a function that will change all your CSS variables to the those theme CSS variables that you store like in a JSON file or something. That's a really easy way to theme your entire website. It's also great for changing stuff like sizing and stuff like uh, just like if you have multiple like a three column layout versus a two column layout and you, you want to conditionally check those things, you can do some of that and change the widths and the heights and the border styles, whatever, using CSS variables dynamically based on the component structure, right? So CSS variables allowed us not only the fact that we have, hey, great, great accessibility in terms of access in CSS and be able to have a reproducible value in CSS, but also the ability to access them in JavaScript for infinite different things. I think they were a pretty big addition and they're one of the reasons why I would think SCSS has a little bit less usage. Although like SAS or less, those kinds of things do have a little bit more functionality on top of them than just CS, than just variables. They were a, a big portion of their usage was because they supported variables before CSS variables came in as a common feature in CSS across all browsers. So it's an interesting evolution that we saw over the last, I would, I want to say three years. Uh, I think they were introduced a little bit before that, but I, I would say that they've been solidly used in the last three years in production projects because all browsers have started supporting them. So it's like, it's a great feature to know and to learn especially if you ever want to go into more vanilla development. I know a lot of you are probably still developing in Tailwind or SAS or SCSS or SAS, but vanilla is starting to get a lot of power that might make you want to switch back. 
And this kind of actually touches on what Christopher Dandy said in our, and I think it was the last episode in relation to this, where the the native platform, the vanilla platform, let's say, is starting to, are starting to get features that are similar in nature to what these frameworks, these tools, these plugins bring to the table. And it might be time to start using the native platform, meaning JavaScript, CSS, and HTML, where possible for efficiency in that, because you're kind of, in some ways, if, depending on how you're using CSS variables in SAS less and other tools and plugins, maybe there's some more powerful things you can do with them in those tools. And then sure, you know, you can't use the native platform because you're using that powerful thing, whatever it is, that powerful piece of functionality. But if you're not, and you're just using them for the very basic nature, I mean, you may as well use the actual CSS, the actual native platform, you know, right in the browser, whatever. Um, you might as well use that feature instead because it's going to be more efficient and you don't want to have redundant features. Why install, say, SAS to use the very basics of CSS variables when you didn't need to install SAS at all? It's like installing a feature on a feature. and They're both being used the same way. So it, this is kind of where Chris's perspective and, and uh, opinion comes in. So. You know, I've talked a bunch and probably rambled too much about, you know, what CSS variables are, how to use them. But, you know, how do you set them up and use them? And I'm going to do a small summary on that right now, and then I'll get into the nitty gritty of each. So CSS variables must be declared before they can be used. Basically, you are creating them by declaring them if you're unfamiliar, again, with variables. They're declared by using two dashes before writing a valid variable name. They can be declared as a global variable or a local variable, similar to other programming languages. And in order to use the value that is stored within those variables, we use the var function, written V-A-R with open and closing parentheses. We use that function right in our CSS, and we put that right where we want the value to be. So you're a little confused? No problem. We're going to dive into each piece. First part, declaring a variable with a valid name. What does it mean by a valid name? Well, to declare a CSS variable, you need to use those two dashes like I've already mentioned. And then you also need to follow those two dashes with the variable name. And then just like other CSS properties, once you're done writing the variable name, you put your colon. I like to put a space. Then you put the value you want, followed by a semicolon, and that's it. Just like a regular CSS property. But the actual variable name after the two dashes can be written incorrectly or not be valid. So what can a CSS variable name contain? It can contain alphanumeric characters, so letters and numbers. It can also contain dashes as well, not just the two dashes in the beginning, but dashes within the name. And it can also include underscores. So for example, if we have a primary color variable, it could be written as, and this is after the two dashes, it can be written as primary dash color or primary underscore color or primary dash color one, that's the number one, or primary color with no spaces, no dashes, no underscores, and no numbers between the two words. Those are all valid ways to declare a variable called primary color. So you have to be within that validity in order for it to be valid and for order for it to be usable. Now, we mentioned locally and globally. What does that mean? Well, globally is across the globe, let's say, across the project. So declare to declare a CSS variable globally, we use the root pseudo class in our CSS. And because we're working with HTML, the root pseudo class refers to the HTML element and therefore across the entire page, otherwise known as globally, supplying it right to the HTML element. So just like as if you were writing HTML in your regular CSS, let's say um, your browser automatically puts 10 pixels of padding around the HTML element and you're trying to normalize it down. You know, you don't want to have any of the browser touching stuff with styling. So just how you would normally go in and say HTML, you know, within within your squiggly brackets, you'd put padding um, to zero or whatever you want it to be. This is what root is doing. It's declaring in, inside of your root pseudo class, you're putting your declarations and it's written as colon root 
then your squiggly brackets like normal. And then within those squiggly brackets, you're going to be doing your declarations and any of the variables declared within those squiggly brackets with, with underneath or within, let's say, that root pseudo element will be considered global variables and can be used throughout the page. So in compare and contrast with glo- with locally, locally is not globally. What it means is you're declaring it on a specific scope that is not global. Now, this might sound confusing. So let's make it think of it in terms of an actual project's needs. This might help. So let's just say you have content boxes with CSS class with a CSS class, excuse me, applied to it. The CSS class is just called featured. And on all of these content boxes, you have headings within them. And you'd like them all to be the same font size. So let's say you have your three content boxes. They all have the featured class. They all have headings. And you all want them to be 25 pixels font size, those headings inside. Now, you could declare a global variable. Absolutely. And that would apply to the whole page. And you could use it with the var function, which we'll touch on in a minute. And that would be it. That's that's how it would work. But, you know, why? You have to kind of raise that question. Why would you apply? something that you specifically want on the featured class, why would you apply that to the entire page? There's no real reason to do that. So instead, you can declare this variable on the featured class. So not on the HTML element, not on the root pseudo class, just right in the featured class, just like how you would do anything else. So you do dot featured, then you have under your squiggly brackets, you declare your variable. So in my case, I've written here in my example, dash dash headings dash size, right? And then I've set that to 25 pixels. Now, this keeps the variable out of the global scope, as we've said. But why why would we do that? Why? You know, who cares if if it's valid and it works in the global scope? Why? Why? Who cares? Well, the main reason for declaring things locally versus globally in CSS variables comes down to two things for me. Now, maybe there's more and I'm sure there are. But these are the two main things for me specifically with CSS variables. The first one is readability. When you have an actual project, an actual layout, there's going to be tons of lines of CSS, possibly thousands of lines of CSS. And you, with that, you might have 100 global variables all under your root pseudo class. That's hard to read. It's easy to confuse variables. You don't know where things are, especially if they're not labeled with comments, which I'm sure they won't be. And it's a mess. And if you been away from the project for a while and you have to go back to do some changes, do some maintenance. It's hard to maintain that down the line because you're not going to remember you know, heading size, what you know, headings one size was at, and it's going to be confusing. So instead, by declaring your variable where it needs to be and by using a descriptive title as I did with the headings dash size variable, I can easily see at a glance that my headings under my featured class should have the font size 25 pixels applied to them. This helps because of the glanceability, like I said, but also troubleshooting. If you are going in and you you have, let's say, a whole bunch of content boxes with the featured class applied all throughout various pages in your design. And you notice that for some reason, one of these things isn't working. One of the one of the pages has the headings under a featured content box. And for some reason, it's coming up as 30 pixels. Well, now you know where to troubleshoot. You can go in and look, okay, where where is it on featured? Okay, under featured, it's being set to 25. So we know for sure it's locally being set to 25. Okay, let's try to zoom in. You know, you're right there already. You can look and be like, okay, is there somewhere else where it's being set to 30? But when you're looking at the global scale, if you had a variable set globally, now you're looking all over the place. Okay, you know, we have this variable set globally. You know, is it being set somewhere else? Um... And we'll get into that in a second with specificity and cascading. But is it being set somewhere else? That's like, you know, is it being set to the root and the HTML? Is it also being set to, you know, the parents of the content boxes? Is there a wrapper involved in which heading size is being set? But when it's right there in the scope, you know where to troubleshoot and you, you, you see it and you're like, OK, these settings are supposed to be 25. We know that for sure now. So now we know there's a problem for sure. And now we can we, we have a, a, a thing to go on that's more than just something's broken somewhere in the CSS. It's a starting point that we can go on from there. And this leads perfectly into the next thing. The second thing that's really important 
which is specificity and cascading. Now, specificity and cascading can get really complicated. There's specificity scores and this and that. We're not going to get into that in this episode. I'm not even, I'm not sure if I can do an episode um, on that on an audio show too well. Maybe I can and I'll maybe explore that later. But specificity and cascading. So what does it mean? So if you declare a variable of the same name globally, so our headings dash size, and let's just say instead of 25, you've set it to 30 pixels. But you want the headings in your featured class to remain at 25 pixels. You can declare the same variable name again and set it to 25 pixels. Because of how CSS cascading works and how specificity works, the local declaration is more specific and therefore the font size will be set to 25 pixels over the 30 pixels. Now we have a, a, an in-depth example of this coming up, but in this example, let's t- let's think about what's happening here. So if let's take it out of CSS variables for a minute and just think of another example. Let's just say you have a dot featured class and you have uh, the color property set to red, and that's set near the top of your CSS and you, you st- right in your CSS style sheet, and then you style the rest of your paper, the rest of your um, the rest of your document. So you have a tons and tons and tons and tons and tons of CSS underneath that original declaration. And then you realize like, oh shoot, featured is actually supposed to be blue, not red. And you forget that you've done this up top. You forget that you have a dot featured up top. And you write dot featured down below and you set the color now to blue. Because of cascading, CSS reads top to bottom. So it goes top to bottom, it sets it to red, then it sets it to blue and that's what will show up, right? Well, there's also a specificity thing here as well. So let's say, for example, and this is not common, but let's say, for example, underneath you, 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 you globally declare under the root, right? You globally declare your headings size to be 30 pixels. But above that, above that in your style sheet, you write dot featured heading size is supposed to be 25 even though heading size is being declared after, so it's being declared as 25, and then it's being declared as 30, even though it's being declared after as 30, the specificity rules here that you are effectively in the local scope, you are specifically targeting the featured class, which is more specific than global, and therefore 25 pixels will reign on those headings. Now, you might think, you know, again, this is a bunch of mumbo jumbo. This is way, way too complicated. This is for use in more complicated theming, more complicated uh, examples and more complicated pages than you would see in. Then you would see in these little siloed examples, let's say that's what you're ultimately looking at. You're going to be going into projects that are, let's say, several style sheets, multiple files. You're going to have hundreds, if not thousands of lines of CSS. There's going to be, you know, child selectors and this and that all over the place. This is where these type of little tricks and little pieces of knowledge and stuff like this can help you productivity wise. That's why this is so specific. Now, again, I did mention, I know I am simplifying specificity and stuff like that. There is a specificity score, which, you know, this one gets 10 and this one, all that type of thing. Um, Maybe I'll cover that in a blog post at some point later. Because uh, I don't know it f- fully myself. This is how I determine specificity in my actual work every single day. Because specificity score is kind of more of a theory thing to get you familiar with it. And then once you're familiar with it, once you actually work with CSS for a while, you just kind of know what's more specific, if you will. You kind of same with the cascading. Cascading is kind of more simple. Um, and you, as you work with CSS, you just go like, oh, yeah, like that'll be set. You know, like I said, with the red and blue, you'd be like, oh, that'll be set to blue now. Um, just cause like it becomes second nature, but maybe I'll talk about specificity or write about it at a later date. Now I've mentioned all about declaring these variables. I've mentioned all about this type of thing, but like, how do you use it? And I mentioned the var function, the var function is just something built right into CSS. And what you do is you write the var function wherever you want the value applied. So let's take a really basic example. Let's say we have a globally declared. So under our root pseudo class, we have a variable called red. Just that easy. And that red, whatever, is set to the hex value of red. So two F's 
and four zeros. Okay. I mean, and a pound sign hashtag, whatever before the F's. Okay. Now we want all of the uh, text to be in that color under our paragraphs. So we literally target the P element and in the squiggly brackets, we write color. We don't write red. We don't write, uh, we don't write, um, you know, FF zero. We don't write the hex value. We do var. And then we, then we do inside of the bracket. So we go var opening bracket and we write the name of the variable with the two dashes. So in this case, dash, dash, red, close the bracket, semicolon N. And then in the future, if for whatever reason we change the value of the red property to a different shade of red or to blue or whatever, all you do is change the hex value and it'll automatically change for all our paragraph elements. That's how you use the var function. It's really simple. You literally just put use the var function where you would normally put the actual value you want. And once you get used to it, it's really simple and really uh, intuitive and easy to use. One, one more thing the var function can do is uh, accept a second parameter. So in the brackets, you have the dash dash red, like Matt was saying, you can actually put a comma after the dash dash red and add a second parameter as a default value. So if for, for whatever reason, the dash dash red variable does not exist, it will fall back to the second parameter default value. This can be useful in a larger application with very dynamic theming styles. So if you're, for instance, allowing a user to go into a dashboard and set their own global variables, uh, their CSS variables, and then you dynamically populate the CSS variables in the project for that, then if they don't set a variable, you can have a fallback for that. That's just an example. There's many other reasons you would use a fallback, uh, but in a, obviously in a small personal project or an, even in a contract project where you're not going to be willy nilly changing a bunch of variables, you don't need to have a fallback. It's not like one of those super necessary things to have a default uh, CSS variable value, but it can come in handy. Well, especially with like something like a font family. Yes. Is a common one where maybe like blog posts, this is very typical, but your blog posts have a different uh, font schema than the rest of your than the rest of your pages and therefore you would have maybe variables to control that and then you have default variables uh default values of your font family to ensure that the font renders at least somewhat like somewhat the way you want it to uh should a browser not have that and another thing too is this is a rule of thumb uh that i use as well i know i said that i declared the variable red I will normally try not to do that because you can literally use the word red as a color in CSS. So normally I would write something like dash dash red text or dash dash red dash text, something like that. Be a little more specific and more descriptive with the variable name. But just for the sake of example, um, that, but that's just a rule of thumb that I, I would use. Yeah, sometimes like, and you already mentioned it before, you would even go away from using a specific color. You would just say primary color one, secondary mm -hmm. color uh third color sometimes it makes sense to do like a an actual color because it can be different shades uh and you want to set a shade of red that you want to use across the entire site that i've seen that happen many times so you can use both you can use both interchangeably like together or separately if you want more of a theming engine primary secondary is probably the way to go if you want more of a standardization then you can kind of standardize on what shades of what colors you want to be using across the site absolutely one more thing that I do want to talk about, something that I saw, which was kind of crazy to me, and I kind of want your take on this, Matt. Um, I've seen, I saw someone use CSS variables to handle responsivity of a website. So let oh, me. Oh, I have seen this. Okay. You've seen it. Okay. But I've seen, let, I've let seen me, it somewhere. Yeah. Let me explain it a little bit so that the, the audience can understand. But essentially, you can set your CSS variables based on the viewport width and actually set your variables differently. So if your responsivity is based on like how wide your columns are, you know, how much padding is placed there, all of those static values can be set inside of a media query for the using CSS variables. And then you have to write a lot less media queries going down when you're actually writing your code. The only time you would have to write another media query technically would be when you want to change from like a flex row to a flex column 
or stuff like that in a grid in a grid you want to change from how the grid is located but in terms of sizing of like text sizing of columns sizing of paddings and margins that can all be handled theoretically through a media query media queried css variable declaration so that i thought i found that really interesting personally i have not tried that and i had a little bit of trouble wrapping my head around it initially um, so I, I am planning on trying that. Maybe I'll post some stuff when I do on Twitter. Uh, so check, like, you know, follow me on there to, to, to bug me about it and see what I do with that. Because it's to me, like the less media queries I have to write, I would say the better because it can get into, you can get into a little bit of media query hell when you're designing, like when you're developing and it can get, it can actually get really, really cumbersome. So I kind of want to try that. I'm still not 100% sold on it. So Matt, would you do that? Like, would you try it? Or do you think um, that's a little bit too much? I know I, I would in, in, in one very specific instance right off the top of my head. I'm sure there's more I would. Um, but one is that, you know, let's say, for example, you have a three-column layout, but that's normally on your desktop. And that three-column layout, let's say, degrades to a two-column layout. And then eventually to a one column layout as the screen shrinks down from, say, desktop through tablet to smartphone. Um, one of the things and one of the values that I use all over the place is width 100% to shrink that down to one column. Well, I would take, you know, you could take that width 100% and instead of applying it in four or five places, you could take that and like make that a descriptive variable like, smartphone mode or smartphone width or mobile width, whatever, and then apply that in strategically so that you're lessening, you're, you're reducing the amount of CSS lines that you're writing. And you could use that strategically in that way. And I'm sure there's a bunch more ways to do it, but that's the very first one I would think of because there's so many times where maybe I'm designing mobile first or I'm designing desktop first going down to mobile or whatever, or I'm just designing based on what someone gave me. And then I, uh, then I make like this, this static design more, uh, uh, more responsive. And so many times where I'm like, why is this thing not growing? Or why is this thing not shrinking? Or why is it still three column on mobile? I can't see anything now. Um, and I go in and I have to mess around with width, 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 and I'm constantly setting things to 150 you know, into thirds for the three column, whatever, constantly messing with that. If I could have like a mechanism that controlled that at different viewports, that would be ace. And I can, I can see that. And already me just saying that made me start thinking of maybe there's, maybe there could be certain triggers that go off in com uh, compiled with CSS variables where when something hits a certain, uh, like a certain width in terms of the actual element, not the viewport in terms of an actual, you know, width, then I can like, Okay, like now it needs to go down to this width, this width. Now it needs to go down to this width. Okay, now I don't need a specific width, you know, set of pixels or whatever. Now I need to set it to 100% because it's only one column. It needs to fill the column. So, like, I think CSS variables um, are something that a lot of people, including myself, ignore largely in our day to day. But if you kind of throw yourself into the workflow, I think they're actually really valuable. Simple on the surface, but are powerful in where they can be used. And, I'm, and there's going to be people out there way more innovative than me that I'm sure are using them in some awesome ways. Yeah, absolutely. I think I, I would really like to know how people are using them in general uh, to build their websites. Again, this the responsive one was kind of a mind mind blown to me because I never even thought of that. Like I never even thought about wrapping my declaration of CSS variables in media queries. But it makes a lot of sense now thinking about it. So I, I kind of, I'm, I'm actually a little bit antsy to try it out now, now that I've talked about it a little bit more. So yeah, I'm going to do that probably after this podcast. Well, another thing too, uh, with, with this is I have this in my written guide, uh, which is available on Hashnode, the web, the HTML of things website is on dev. It's on medium as well. Uh, it's my CSS variables, what they are and how they use them guide. If anyone wants to refer to this uh, visually and have the links as well. But I have an example of um, some theming changes, but also if you I understand this is like a theme, but dark mode, light mode being being applied or largely controlled. Obviously, there's some JS in there, but largely controlled with CSS variables, because here's the thing. Theming makes sense. Maybe on desktop, you want the main primary color to be red. And then on the uh, smartphone, you want it to be blue for some reason. Atypical, but maybe you do. 
you can control that, like Mike said, with the responsivity and the, and the CSS variables. But normally, if you wanted to make light mode to dark mode, dark mode to light mode, you had to do some different changes. Like maybe the background is going to be going to be uh, not white anymore. It's going to be black. So now the text has to be inverted. So this isn't so much like color scheme as in like the theme of the site for the branding colors, like the primary brand color, tertiary brand color, secondary, whatever. This is more of like functional now, like dark mode, light mode is like a more of a functional difference and it can be a real pain. Normally, what Mike and I have done in the past for dark mode, light mode is a bunch of C- a bunch of JavaScript where we're like, set this here, set this, set this, set this, set this, set this. If we're able to have a color scheme that's largely influenced or controlled uh, in part with JavaScript alongside CSS variables, instead of me having 1400 lines of not that many, but 1400 lines of JavaScript uh style, you know, style.color, set this, style.background color, check it. Oh, doesn't look good. Okay, flip it again. Like instead of doing that and having some sort of intelligent organization and implementation of CSS variables, of which I have, again, examples of this in uh, the written article, I'll link the article in the show notes. Um, But I have examples of other people doing this. This is where the power of CSS variables starts happening, right? And people building kind of complex things with this is how CSS moves forward. Like maybe CSS variables will get more powerful in the future because of this type of thing. So, you know, go check those out if you want to see more of, you know, instead of these siloed examples and us talking about the basics, these are, you know, real world things that you can use with CSS variables and why it's worth learning them. Hey everybody, just editing the episode here and I just wanted to interject with a brief comment. So Mike and I had a discussion on this and I'm editing the episode right now. And this next section that you're about to listen to is three examples. It contains three in-depth examples on CSS variables. And we're unsure whether they translated well to audio. When we were going through them, they seemed good. But we also had my blog post up where the three examples live. So we obviously had a visual guide with us. So we're not sure. We are new. Mike and I have only done a few episodes where we've sort of deep dived on specific commands, in this case, CSS properties and very specific things, trying to get more technical with our episodes. So we're unsure if they translated well to audio and we need your help. If you could let us know on Twitter, Instagram, wherever, let us know if you liked this following section, if you're still listening, this following section and see if it's worth doing like this in the future, whether the style needs to change, because Mike thought it was maybe a bit too technical and shouldn't be made into audio. I'm kind of on his side, but I'm on the fence, but I'm not sure if you guys are going to get value from it. So any feedback on this type of thing would be much appreciated. And now back to the show. Now I have three in-depth examples. If you're so confused about what we discussed already, First one is the global scope. The second one is the local scope. And the third one is them combined together. So I'm going to go through the basics. So I'm going to try to, there's a whole visual example, actually, I should say on that same written guide, again, on all the different services, I'll link, link the uh, article in the show notes. But there's a whole written guide with a breakdown and everything that you can visually follow along if you want to, because I'm looking right at the example right now, which is why I mentioned it right now. So This example has a class or a div, excuse me, that has the featured class applied to it. And within that featured div, we have one paragraph. Paragraph one is what it's called. And then outside of the featured class, we have paragraph two. So rather, rather, you know, let's say obviously we're going we want them both to be read. We want the the text to be read. So under our root pseudo class, we have a variable called red dash text set to the value of what red is in in, or the hex value of red, excuse me. And then we want all of the paragraphs, right? All the paragraphs to be red. We want to have them to have red text. So we have our we are addressing the P element, the paragraph element. And inside of our squiggly brackets, we are setting the value of color to with using the var function to the value of red dash text. And our output is that both paragraph one and paragraph two has red text. This is obviously because of our global declaration. We are declaring in our CSS, we are declaring that red text, the, ver- the variable name red text is the hex value of red. And we're saying that all paragraphs should have red text. And because it's globally, it's globally declared, 
even though one paragraph is in the scope of the featured class and one paragraph is not, they're both read because of the global setup, because of the global declaration. So now, what about the next example? Example number two, the local scope. And so I'm going to do a layout and then I'll do the breakdown. So same setup. We have a div with the class with the class featured applied to it. So a featured div, we'll call it. Inside of that, we have a single paragraph, paragraph one. It's inside of the featured div. And outside of it, again, we have paragraph two. Now, our CSS is written such that dot featured, so the featured class addressing that, has a variable declared within it called red dash text, and it has the hex value of red applied as its value. And then below that, we're saying P, so all paragraph elements should have the color equal to red text, to the variable red text. But our output is not the same as our global one. Our output is showing paragraph one as red and paragraph two as black, which is the default text color. So what happened? Even though we're declaring, even though we're saying all paragraphs should have red text, why isn't the red dash text variable being applied here? So let's take a look, zoom in on it, if you will. In our HTML, paragraph one is contained within the featured div, a, a div with the class featured on it. And paragraph two is not contained within that div. It's not within that featured div. In our CSS, we have three aspects to focus on. The red dash text variable is being declared on the featured class. The color property is being set to the value of red dash of the red dash text variable. So it's being set to literally the color red. The color property is being applied to all paragraphs or P tags, PHTML tags. It's being set to all of them. But because we've declared, because we've declared our red dash text variable locally under the scope of featured, only the color of the paragraphs, in this case, paragraph one, only that paragraph, paragraph one, is receiving and showing as red text because the red dash text variable is declared, is declared locally, even though we're saying all paragraphs should have it. So you can see there a cutoff in which this is locally declared and it's only being applied properly to the one paragraph, paragraph one. It is not being applied to paragraph two. It is not within the scope of the featured class. So there's a cutoff there. So now let's combine these and also add a little bit of stuff. So example three, local and global, kind of a versus kind of a, you know, what's going on here. So really brief, same setup again, one div with the feature class on it inside of it is paragraph one same thing outside of it once again paragraph two so paragraph one's within the the scope of the featured class and paragraph two is not just like we declared before our css we are globally declaring the text dash color variable as the hex value of red we are also declaring text dat a, a text dash size variable as at 25 that's what we've set up here. Underneath there, we have under dot featured. We are declaring the text dash color. We're declaring it again. We're doing text dash color and we're setting it to blue, the hex value of blue. And then under dot featured. So we want our feet under our feature scope. We want the font size property to be set to the value of text size, which is 25 globally declared. And then we're addressing, next thing, is we're addressing all our P tags, all our paragraphs. And we're setting the color property to the value of text color. Here's where this might start getting confusing for some people. So our paragraphs, like our outputs, are not maybe what you'd expect. The first paragraph is larger. It's set to 25 pixels. It's larger than the second paragraph. It's also blue in color. And our second paragraph, is at the default text size. So it's not getting the, the 25 pixels, but it's red. And why is that? So let's zoom in and break this down. Paragraph one, once again, is contained within the featured class's scope because it's within that div that has the featured class on it. And paragraph two is not contained within that. 
That's our HTML breakdown. So what about the CSS? Well, there's three main things we have to look at for our CSS. Text color, which is the variable name, text-color is being declared globally as the color red. Text-size, which is also a variable name, is being declared globally as the value 25 pixels. Text-color, also a variable name, is declared again. But this time it's declared locally as the color blue. So what's our output, like I said, and why is it like this? We have a larger paragraph one that has blue text, and we have a smaller, which is the default font size for the page on paragraph two. So we have a smaller paragraph two, and it's red text. So why is this? Let's break it down. Paragraph one is larger than the default font size due to the text dash size variable being a being applied, excuse me, to the featured class. Remember that within our CSS, under our dot featured, we are literally saying font dash size, you know, should be equal using the var function should be equal to the text size variable. We're saying anything within the scope of featured, anything within that scope should be 25 pixels. That's what we're saying for font size. Then paragraph two, why is it red? Well, it's red because the value of text dash color is a global variable. And we're saying that text dash color should be applied globally across our style sheet, across our project in this particular case. It should be globally applied to all paragraphs. So it gets red text. That makes sense. Global variable, it sets a red. So then why is the is paragraph one not red? This is that specificity rule. So despite text color being applied to all paragraphs, again, that's text dash color. That's the variable name. It's being applied to all paragraphs. Paragraph one is not red, and you might think it should be. It's blue. This is because we've declared the text-color variable again, locally in our CSS on the featured class. The local declaration is more specific to paragraph one than the global declaration, and therefore the global declaration wins out. Now, there's a little bit more written about cascading and specificity, and I found this on a dev article, and that's also linked from my article. So you can go and see all these links and sources and stuff like this where I got all this stuff. But that's why that is. And you can see now how CSS variables can get kind of interesting. I saw one example out there where, let's say you have a featured color and you want all your featured color, uh, all your featured text to be, let's say it's 50 pixels all your featured text. So anything with the class featured, whatever. But when it's in a content box, let's say you, you know, you still have a, you still have like a, fe a featured, featured class on it, but you know, you want it to be a little smaller, maybe 50 is too much. So you maybe want it to be 40. You can use specificity to your advantage here. And you can say, you know, all featured, all featured things should be, you know, like globally, anything that's featured. So let's say they're all headings. All our headings should be, you know, 50 and then more specifically on our featured content boxes. And you address that in CSS more specifically, I want those to be 40. And it's the exact same variable, like you name it, whatever you want, you want, you want like featured text is your variable name. You declare it in different scopes and through cascading and through more specifically specificity through specificity, it will change what it is and you and the, the the benefit of this is that you're keeping the one descriptive variable you have intact some people might not like this they might prefer to use two variables two different name variables that's really up to you might add some css here and there but that's really up to you if you find this confusing and the cascading to be weird or something that's annoying fair enough no problem but in general in general some people will just say like, hey, I want, you know, my feature dash text to be one variable and I want it to be this size. But sometimes I want a slight variant. And you can do that even with the same variable name through specificity, through through local declarations and through um, strategic strategic declaring and strategic calling on of CSS variables in specific spots in your style sheet. And that's my three examples. Uh Went through all three, you know, the try to get some different things in there. And like I said, there's there's two 
There's two articles I, I like. I want you guys to look at. I have them linked and slightly described uh, in my article. They are create a dark slash light mode switch with CSS variables. And then I also have another one developing websites with multiple themes using CSS variables. I did not write those two. I'm linking out to other people. One's on uh, Tech Inscribed and the other one's on Dev. So please go check those out to see some sort of real world examples on how CSS variables would be helpful outside of these very siloed um, and realistically overcomplicated examples. Yeah, I think I think that was a good example kind of showing the what what CSS variables would look like in code. Um, so, yeah, I, I think we covered it. Yeah, I mean, CSS variables, you know, they, they they're, you know, simple to pick up, but they can get pretty complex and stuff like that uh, as a like kind of final send off, if you will. Um, I would say make sure when you are doing CSS variables to make them descriptive. You know, you don't want to have just like how you have feature um, uh, descriptive uh, class names like featured, uh, featured text, you know, whatever content box, different ID, like your IDs and your classes should be descriptive. Same with variable names in other uh, languages as well. Make them descriptive. You know, CSS variables are really a productivity tool at the end of the day. They're really something that can help you. You don't need to use them, but they are helpful if used appropriately. And keeping them organized and keeping them labeled appropriately uh, will really, will really help help you out. And it will, what what will probably end up happening. I can see with CSS variables is a lot of people aren't going to probably mean too. I'm not going to, I'm not going to write my or code up, if you will, my CSS um, with them in mind. But then once I write like with a hundred percent, like 40 times or like, you know, I write in the primary color, like I'm literally writing color, red, color, red, color, red. And it's like, okay, I'm writing a primary color here. So you know, may- maybe CSS variables are, are best suited for a refactor step. But I'm sure there's people out there that are just so good with them. They just think to use with the- use it right away, which is great too. But that's, uh, that's, my, uh, that's my summary, if you will, my explanation of CSS variables. If you're interested in taking a course... I did take a free course. This is not sponsored. I took a free course about CSS variables on Scrimba. And then I also referred to a whole bunch of different documents, um, including the ones I've already mentioned, but some more that I didn't. Uh, all my sources and stuff are all listed in my articles. Go check those out. Uh, again, it's on the hat sites on Medium. It's on Dev and it's on Hashnode as well. So go check that out. And that, unless you have anything else to add, Mike, I think that largely concludes this episode. Yep. Conclude it up. Well, waste some time because I accidentally closed the Patreon document for the fourth time. Time wasting is something I can do. I am wasting time. Okay, I time have it has been now. wasted. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I went to close the show note and close the damn Patreon document. Of course I did. But anyway, if you're interested in episodes like this, and actually I want to just one question as well. Uh, I'm new to doing these technical episodes. I've done one before. I've done one now. I think it kind of got off to a shaky start for this one. I hope it's getting better. If you have any um feedback or anything please hit us up on our discord or hit us hit us up on any of our socials you can talk to mike and he'll pass it on to me or you can talk to me on instagram whatever um our discord's also been renovated it has a whole bunch of the new forums it's a community page now and you know hooray so (laughs) so go check that out use the new forums they're just they've just been spun up uh we're still doing some renovations so there might be some well there is some redundant channels as of recording this so they might be gone by the time you get there but um you know go check that out and uh if you if this was confusing to you uh and you would prefer a written guide to even follow along this largely follows my written guide go check that out link in the show notes as well but this is it is time to end so many thanks to our three dollar tier patrons Ryan Gatchel from Blue Black Digital on blueblackdigital.com. Chris from Self-Made Web Designer on selfmadewebdesigner.com. Tim from The Web Hacker on thewebhacker.com. Bib Hashdash from Nineblock Media, nineblockmedia.com. Jason from Geek Life Radio via geekliferadio.com. Michael Curie from MC Web Studio via mcwebstudio.ca. Magnus from YesWeb via yesweb.se. Yesweb.se. Jeff from Twitter via at the Jeff McHale. Fire Ant Season via fireantseason.com. And Watoto Coding via watotocoding.com. Feel free to leave a comment or review in the platform that you were listening to this on. And this outro will sign us off. You've been listening to HTML All The Things Podcast. 
web development, web design, and small business. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from this show. And we hope you appreciate that we talk to you like human beings. And we hope you had some fun. We'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hit us up on social media, on Facebook, Instagram, and Patreon at HTML All The Things. And on Twitter at HTML Everything. Until next time, this is HTML All The Things. Signing off.